This is the Hans Shot First Podcast. They don't know it, I'm telling you. We'll be talking in-depth about common movie moments from my dead body. With the mix of all things pop culture along the way. Yeah, all Scott. Okay. Welcome everyone to Hans Shot First. I'm Jeff, joined as usual by Scott and Alex. Say hello. Hello. Hey. Today we're going to be talking about 2000's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Directed by Ang Lee, written by Dulong Wang, <laughs> Hugh Lee Wang. <laughs> what, Wang? Yeah. And, um, Ku Jong Tsai. And there you go. Starring uh, Chow Young Fat, although and that's why I always said his name, but here it says Yao Fat Chow. So I that's so that's how you would pronounce it, or you would do it in that order in China. Okay. But for the Western audience, they flip it around. All right. Michelle Yao. Michelle Yao would still just be Michelle Yao, <laughs> though, because she's got Yowza. the anglicized name. And other names that I'm not going to try to pronounce. Ji <laughs> Yi Zhang. Yeah, there you go. So before we get into it, uh, what's your guys' history with this? You guys see it in the theater? This is a Scott pick, right? So. Yes. So so I did see this in the theater after yeah, all the same. buzz for it. Uh, I believe we took special guest Brian to see it with us, or at least I saw it with Brian. I don't know if Alex was there or not. Uh, I might have seen it with you guys. Uh, I I I remember this day making some dumb joke about how the movie was fake because there's obviously no trees in China, and. <laughs> And Brian laughed. <laughs> so, so with that out of the way, uh, yeah, I did see this in the theater. Um, it got, <laughs> Why would there be no trees in China? I was just making a dumb joke because of all the wire work <laughs> and everything. Like, it was, it, you had to be there. Anyways. Uh, no trees in China. Going yeah. What was that song? Come and knock on my door. <laughs> I know, that's why I went yeah, through that it. Wesley, you little shit. Oh, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so there, there was a lot of buzz about this movie. Uh, how uh, this was going to be the foreign film that finally dominated Hollywood. That kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, it was. it's a great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I think even... 17 years ago now. God, I feel old. Uh, 17 yep. years ago, uh, when this this hit the Western theaters, by the way, uh, it, yeah, it, it definitely set the bar for uh, pretty much all of these, these Wuxia, kind of the wirework films coming out of there that, that would reach Western shores, at least in the theaters. Um, it, the movie uh, uses the great Yun Wo Ping, uh, whose name you'll see on everything basically that ever has wire work on it, uh, from this to the Matrix. Uh, this is the guy responsible uh, for all these incredible fight scenes uh, that 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 are the centerpieces for for this movie, um, which will I'm sure will be included in our lists. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, my. Again, just to go circle back around to, to Jeff's question about my background with this. Uh, I think it was the first time 
I think it's the first time I ever saw a foreign language movie in the theaters. Actually, so a, a great start for doing something like that. <laughs> and let me ask this: When you saw it in the theaters, was it subtitled or just um, or Sub- was it dubbed? Subtitled, thank God. Yep. Y- yeah, we'll talk about this in my list. Um, it, it's funny. Uh, like I happen to work in an industry where uh, dubbing versus subtitles, uh, they're people are very passionate about about that particular topic um and i i think dubbing can be really good um but i also think it can be fucking terrible and ruin a movie so yep. <laughs> uh in this case yeah subtitle watch subtitle people mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it. What's your number seven? I, I, I didn't see it until yesterday. It's the first time I've ever seen this movie. Oh, and you saw it dubbed? Yes. Oh. And I think it totally ruined it for me. We'll get into that when I get to yeah. my number, my list. Well, it's, 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 <laughs> um, Alex, stop me if this is on your list, but I guess it's funny. Uh, apparently, Michelle Yeoh and uh, Chow Yun Fat, like, their accents apparently were horrible. <laughs> or at least noticeably distracting to the Chinese audiences. But over here, you know, it's all Chinese to us, so <laughs> <laughs> ignorant Americans. Uh, but I thought mm-hmm. I thought that was funny that, like, it, it's like night and day over there. But to us, it's just like, oh, we have no idea what they're saying. So, like, for us to be able to pick out accents is on a whole other level. Uh, but are they American or English or something? No, no, it's just so I think they're so everybody over there speaks Mandarin or like some kind of option oh. of that, like Taiwanese or something. But um, they're supposed to be speaking Cantonese. Ah, uh, okay. I think because uh, they're supposed to be like olden times. Uh, it's not modern Mandarin that they're speaking. Basically, is is the point. Yeah. And so they'd have a different accent for it, and apparently it was noticeable that they weren't doing it correctly. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so my number seven to start this off is uh, the unrequited love between um, uh, Mubai and Shulin. Um, so one of the things that drives me insane normally about Asian cinema is this idea of unrequited love where the and main hero of the story has a love interest and they not only never even consummate it, they never talk about it, they won't even hold hands unless somebody's about to die. Um, but in this movie, I, they handle it really well um, in two ways, because uh, huge spoilers coming up here. Um, there actually is one relationship that is immediately consummated uh, between Zhang Ziyi and the, the bandit in the desert, uh, the dark cloud, um, which is kind of atypical of a movie of like the Chinese epic like this. And then uh, that's juxtaposed with uh, Michelle Yeoh and Chow Yun-Fat's characters. How they have this kind of unspoken relationship. Um, but it's, they do a really good job. It's very understated um, in the beginning that they have very strong feelings for each other. And then um, spoilers on his, uh, his deathbed, so to speak. Um, he finally lets her know that his true feelings, what his true feelings were. Um, and it's uh, sold really well by the two of them, um, and it and it works because again, 
they have you have the other relationship that's been realized on, at least on a physical level, um, and I I really appreciated that. So that's my number seven, and I said yeah. out there. <laughs> I, oh, I will say he he kind of lets on more throughout the movie than she does, right? Like you know, he says, "I didn't come here for the sword." He's starting to like break through a little bit throughout the movie. I felt like it was a little more one sided, at least as far as him coming forward. Yeah, she's definitely the more rigid of the two at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I guess I'll go next, and uh, I have to say the dubbing. So the version I saw was dubbed, and I think it just totally ruined the movie for me. Like, I hate dubbing. Uh, if it's okay, if it's a stupid Bruce Lee movie or Jackie Chan movie, whatever. But and there's a real drama like this. You lose all the... Even if you don't understand the language, you get the feeling that the actors are putting into it, and you totally lose that with dubbing. And, uh, yeah, I just... It, it, I don't have much good to say about this movie, and I think it's because... Yeah. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, um, it's really I, too bad. I could say the core... You know, the fighting and everything is awesome. That's mostly what my good points are going to be, but the dubbing hurt this movie a lot for me. What, Jeff, when... when... When we did uh, Kung Kung Fu Hustle, did you watch that dubbed or subbed? Uh, that was subbed, I, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah even even, yeah, even that... that one where it gets pretty goofy, the the subtitles just so much better, a much better that experience. Was sub- yeah. That was subtitled, but the Bruce the whatever enter the this what was it Bruce Lee movie we did that was dubbed, but that one was fine because it was still. It was like Bruce. It was like Bruce Lee dubbed and stuff, right? If I'm trying to remember it, correctly. Even the English speaking characters were dubbed. Yeah, so that one didn't bother me as much. But and, the, and this that one, one had, and it also had boobies. <laughs> well, okay, mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, but yeah, this <laughs> maybe I'll watch it again sometime. But the, it was ugh, rough. So there it is. I guess my number seven is: if you do watch this movie, don't watch it dubbed. I got yeah. There it is. I agree. Alex, number seven. My number seven goes along with what uh, Scott was saying about Unrequited Love, and this movie does handle it well, but it really irked me at the end of the movie, spoilers, when Chaeyoon Fat's character is practically, you know, he's dying, and then Michelle just goes, you know, just meditate, you know, you've had all this training, meditate and make sure your spirit goes into Nirvana. And it's a beautiful line, where he says, "I'd rather I'd uh, rather spend uh, an eternity by your side as a ghost rather than you know go up to heaven," which is a great line, but really stupid. Because I mean, six months down the line, really, he's gonna be haunting her. He, she's gonna be over it, maybe married with some other dude. <laughs> so he's gonna have to spend eternity well, like th- in their whole marriage. Okay. Like, uh Well, so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't even understand it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, so, yeah, I, I agree, Alex. It's dumb from the standpoint of she's going to die eventually, and then she can meet him wh- there, wherever there happens to be. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, she clearly wasn't going to just run out and get married. <laughs> well, no, but that could have happened. I And on the other hand... She's like, okay, well, I've got this ghost with me, so I can't bang this dude that I really like. Because I know he's hanging around. He said he was going to be a ghost for the rest of my life. So, 
There it is, more unrequited love. Well, right. maybe it'll be like Ghostbusters and they can do the kinky ghost <laughs> sex. The ob- that was a dream. The oddly, <laughs> the oddly placed scene of ghost sex, yes. Yeah. Um, by the way, I forgot to add one thing to mine. With the dubbing, I can't help but think of Kung Pao. And that it also hurts the movie a lot. Just like every time I see these guys and it's dubbed, it's like, oh, my finger points. Like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> So I had to bring that up. I didn't see that. I had it in the very bottom of my notes. Just, the dubbing made it feel like Kung Pao. Especially since some of these guys had that haircut, which I'll get into more later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, number six. All right, my number six. Uh, so uh, this is where it starts to become really tough for me. Uh, is On one hand, I, I want to just put that the choreography and... Ping, like all the stuff that they did in this movie is amazing. Um, but I wound up breaking it down into certain fights. So number six is the restaurant fight uh, toward the end of the movie where uh, Jen Yu has escaped, run away, however you want to really phrase it. And she basically picks that fight in the restaurant and just goes to town. Uh, that, of all the the fights in the movie that one's kind of the, the lightest tone um, where they're ha- kind of having the most fun with it there's not really stakes are really low there um, so just kind of a nice showcase for kind of a funner part of a, a typical kung fu movie uh, but yeah I really like the restaurant fights so that's my number six mm. yep it was, it was a good fight it's a really good one yeah it's awesome uh, where like dude with like the spike glove deflects the sword but then she just rakes it down and cuts all the spikes off of his weapon dude awesome oh, that was cool yeah and then the, was that the scene too where the guy had the like metal armband on under his robe so when she blocks his punch she's like what the hell and then she rips it off and throws him down <laughs> that's cool um, alright uh, my number six is I thought this maybe it was the dubbing but it was a pretty boring movie like, when this fight scenes happened, it was awesome. Like, that's all the way to 11. But when that wasn't happening, oh, God, I had a hard time staying awake and keeping focused on it. So um, I found it pretty boring when it wasn't the fight scenes. So as great as I think this movie is, I, I will agree that it is pretty dry. <laughs> but it's kind of the way that it's shot and kind of the pacing uh, it is it is. A little slow at points. I, I will uh, grant grant you that. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't all the dubbing. All right. No. Good to know. <laughs> uh, Alex. Yeah, that was my complaint too. They could have edited down this movie a bit. So yeah, that's my number six. Also, it's like oof, kind of drugs along at points. Yeah, okay. I found myself just yeah, just waiting for the next action scene to happen. All right, uh, Scott, number five. Uh, number five is one of several more fights I'm going to talk about, but the the as I've called it, the treetop fight. Uh, there's some extremely innovative camera work and ideas going on there. Uh, at times, rewatching it. It, it looked a little bit goofy at first <laughs> when they're standing on top of the trees. 
But as the camera starts panning around and like all the the cool stuff they do with the like shifting of the weights on the trees and how he keeps using it against her uh, was was very clever. Uh, the the whole thing was really cool. Uh, you know, I I I never did get tired of the whole kind of super high jumping, dancing on everything that they were doing with all the wire work. Uh, yeah. But yeah, on the trees, like having to balance there, that was a very cool idea. And so that is my uh, number five, the treetop fight. Yeah, I'll have more to say on this later, but yes, I think it's freaking awesome. I could watch a whole movie of them just flying through the air and wa- running on water and off the treetops and stuff. It, it is, it's so ridiculous, but it's not. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> it's very cool. So I agree mm-hmm. with you. All right. Um, my number five is, uh, there we go. My last negative thing, and this may be at jeff at gmail.com, but <laughs> oh god, jeez, oh, the guys with the haircuts. I I was getting some of these characters confused, like I some of them, and even even like I know a child young fat looks like, but there were a couple times where I was, what was that? Huh? Huh? Like, who, <laughs> I was getting lost, and <laughs> so. I wonder. It was the haircut. I think it's because the haircut. Honestly, to be fair, you see a haircut like that, so you're like, "Oh, that's the guy with the haircut," and so you don't try to, like, you don't look at his face that much. And then so when <laughs> I see him again, I'm like, "Oh crap! I should have paid more attention the first time." And now I'm getting lost on who's who. <laughs> and there's like three or four guys with that haircut in this movie. Give yeah. me a break. I wonder so. if it would have been easier for you to follow if it had been subtitled. You I'm actually sure see. Well, you actually see a name attached to them as opposed to just hear it in a shitty voice yeah that could be too but also just yeah, hearing the voices and like yeah I just I don't know so yeah jeff at gmail.com if you want but I had a hard time are <laughs> <laughs> our, our Chinese are like uh, 13th century Chinese haircuts the equivalent of 80s hair to me <laughs> uh, yeah it's a terrible haircut is that is that a monk thing, or what is that? I think it's just the style back then. Yeah, it's the style at the time. Alright, I guess. Maybe there is some social significance to it. I have no idea. <laughs> Alex, number five. My number five, and this was... This is a kind of a positive, because I like the Chaeyun Fats character is like this awesome, nigh-unbeatable martial artist. And... Uh, the the main villain is like this very just greedy, jealous, vengeful, spiteful person, and she beats him not through like an excess of skill or training or anything. She just manages to land one lucky poison needle in his neck while yeah. they were fighting. I thought that was kind of neat that something so small would bring down this like le- living legend of a warrior. So so yeah. I read up a little bit about the some of the themes for this uh and one of them was about poison uh how it was like just as you described Alex it's the opposite of of honorable combat of discipline mm-hmm. um and like you said it's what brings down um uh, well that and compassion <laughs> is what brings down so Lesson here, folks, is never help anybody and avoid poison. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, Mubai trying to help out uh, uh, Jen is what yeah. the other thing here. But, yeah, I agree, Alex. It's a good one. 
All right, Scott, number four. Okay, my number four is another fight, um, and I stole this line from Jeff, uh, but the Uh-oh. the one-handed ass-whipping uh, oh. <laughs> that uh, Mubai gives Jen the first time they fight, where uh, he just, she's like, you can see that she's sweating and she's all intense and he's like not even breaking a sweat. He's got one hand behind his back. Um, and he eventually like puts a sword behind his back and grabs a switch and starts, <laughs> starts being here with that. Yeah. Uh, I thought the whole scene was great. Um, the, the one handed ass kicking or ass whipping. Uh, I remember, vaguely remember Jeff, uh, likening that to, um, uh, Empire Strikes Back. When Luke gets his yep. ass kicked. Uh. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the switch Vader was holding. No. <laughs> Whoa! That was. <laughs> it wasn't corn that was being stored in that thing. <laughs> it wasn't Mace Windu's purple lightsaber either. Whoa. 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 <laughs> Not pointy enough. <laughs> All right. Um, my number four is the. Um, the sword, I like that, the mythos of the sword. Like, I know that's kind of our crossover talk when you get to, but i never seen this movie, so when Alex picked this topic, I was, oh, I didn't know, and that was pretty cool. Green Blade, I, uh, you know, I can see where other movies, which I'm sure have taken from this, and I'm sure this is from other movies as well, me being a Western American pig, I don't know where it <laughs> originated from, but it's pretty cool. Uh so the only complaint is a little it's a little flimsy, but I don't know if that's how the swords <laughs> were. <laughs> I, like I said, I don't know. I just know big, you know, European English, you know, John Snow swords, but yeah. I don't know of although I have a couple samurai swords and they they don't flimsy like that. So I don't know if Chinese swords are different, but Yeah, they're way different. Okay. But I don't think they were flimsy like that, right? <laughs> I, I'm not know. sure about that. Yeah, I mean, they made a point saying that it was super light, and it's really the guy who wields it more than anything. But I guess it was super strong too. So I don't, I don't know. But the cool, I like the embedded green in it. And was it called Green Green Destiny? J, J Destiny. Destiny. J Destiny. So, J Destiny. but its special power was like to break other weapons. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Seems pretty useful. Yep, it was pretty yeah, cool. Seriously. So I really dug the sword, Alex. Uh, my number three, uh, you guys already went into the bamboo forest scene. Was so awesome! All the all the green in that forest was so vibrant. It played number, well against. Should be number four, by the way. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, isn't that what I said? You said three. That's right. Oh my bad. But yeah, great scene. One of my favorites. Probably my favorite in the whole movie. Okay, pretty damn awesome. It is. Scott, number three. Um, number three is the last last fight I want to talk about, um, and my probably my favorite one is the the Jen versus Shulian towards the end when they're in like the dojo for lack of a better term. Yeah. Oh, that one's yeah, that one's really like good that. Too. That one's probably like the because that one has for the first time has like more personal stakes, um, where you you get. Like why they would want to fight each other, um, and yeah, that that one's kind of brutal compared to like all the other fights. Um, the way uh, Jen keeps breaking all the weapons um, uh, was was a really cool idea. 
how Michelle Yeoh's character keeps break, keeps grabbing weapons off these racks and they keep getting broken, so she's keep going back for them. Uh, eventually, she picks up the the Chinese equivalent of a greatsword, basically. <laughs> that's too heavy. And, well, yeah, that, well, that's how she wins. Oh, yeah, that one spear is like way too heavy. Yeah. She just drops it, yeah. and then she gets that just a solid iron rod. Yeah. Last thing she picks is like a bastard sword, basically. Um, yeah. And she wins because um, it gets chopped off like all the other weapons, but it's like still long enough for her to, to like maneuver it, like point it at her throat. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just cool scene. Um, I, you know, a nice chance to get let the, uh, the basically two female leads get their, their moment to go head to head. Um, it, yeah, it's my favorite fight in there. That's uh, my number three. All right. This is my number three as well. So everything that you said, but I had a question. So are these two actresses, are they known stunt? Are they um, martial artists or is that a lot of stunt, or stuntman work? Or? Um, so Michelle Yeoh, for sure. Um, yeah. She'll, she'll, okay. yeah, she was well established before this. Um, I don't know how many movies Ji uh, Zhang did before this. But this was definitely her breakout kind of role. Um, mm-hmm. So Michelle Yeoh definitely has a reputation for doing her own stunts. Um, I don't know about Ji uh, Zhang, um, about how much of that was her and how much of it was like a stunt person. Um, I imagine a lot of it's her, though, because she, she's done a lot of these types of movies. Um, so that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, I was because I was trying to watch like how often they were keeping on faces, and then like go into wides and stuff. But also, wides is a whole Chinese thing too, right? Like you do that to show right. different things. So I don't know how much of that was hiding versus just that's right. that's uh, yeah. the cinematography. But um, I they're super fast and super quick and um, pretty damn awesome. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I'm too bad that Shoyo never really had a like a chance over here to. I mean, maybe she wouldn't have wanted to, but uh, the closest she ever got was to one of the Bond movies. Uh, oh, yeah. Is it Tomorrow Never Dies? It's the one with the High Sparrow. <laughs> it appears, it's one of the Pierce Brosnan ones. She plays a Bond girl. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right, Alex. Now you're number three. Uh, number three, Jade Destiny. Awesome sword. Boom, there it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, Scott, number two. Uh, my number two is the, the main trio of actors here. Um, Zhu Yu Zhang, Michelle Yeoh, Chai Yun Fat. Um, so, th- so this is, uh, on its face, this is a kung fu movie uh, with some amazing choreography. But it, but I really think there's some, some great acting going on here. Enough to get me past the the Asian epic feel that's going on here. Um, which is something that typically, uh, not to offend anybody out there, kind of bores me when they're doing the the, the great Chinese epic. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of acting going on from Ji Zhang where she has to have that mask on. It's just her eyes. Um, and you can kind of see the intensity there. And uh, you get Chow Yun-Fat who just oozes calm and confidence. And he's great as kind of the the master Yoda. It's, it's really too bad that they like, that doesn't go that route where she becomes a student. Um, and you get yeah. to see them train together. 
because I it would have been cool to see like him in like full on teacher mode. Um, but just see him like that that's kind of half self satisfied, like kind of smug. You can see why she gets pissed off at him. <laughs> He's got that smug look on his face <laughs> like the whole time. Um, but yeah, I mean, still you know badass. Um, and then Michelle Yeoh, I think, uh, probably thank has the most thankless job here. Um, but I think she, uh, again, she, she has to kind of, kind of bridge the gap between the two of them, um, with what's going on in the plot. And, uh, she, she does a great job between just kind of controlled fury for, for a lot of the movie. Um, and the, you know, the, the sadness at the end with, uh, Mubai. But yeah, I was, I was really impressed with all three of them in this. So that's my number two. Cool. I got a question. Um, you mentioned her in the mask. So while this is the first time I've seen it, uh, I haven't been living in a cave. So I've seen highlights of it, especially like the fight scenes before. So I knew that, um, I guess the younger girl, Gigi Yang, whatever you said her name was, like I knew she was, um, you know, she's going to be a lot of fighting in this movie. And at the beginning where, you know, she just see her, she's, you know, the, the fiance, and she's all dressed up, prettied up and everything. Is it supposed to be? Like that first fight when she steals it with the sword, the sword with the mask on. Are you not supposed to know that's her, or like? Because the whole time I knew it was her, just because, like I said, I, I'd seen I, bits before. I think I think I'm it's not... supposed to be a big reveal when she finally goes back home and takes off the mask. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's supposed to be like a surprise. Okay. <gasps> Although if you're paying attention, it's not that big of a surprise. Yeah. Because she's like super tiny. Yeah. <laughs> and the person in the mask is also not big. Yeah. <laughs> they both have these big wide eyes, so it's not <laughs> perfectly, you know, yeah. whatchamacallit, with the eyelashes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Perfectly yeah. curled lashes. Maybelline. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Maybe she's born with it. <laughs> um, all right. So my, my number two is kind of just going off of what scott said but i but more specifically i thought the chow yun fat i never knew he was that quick or that fast like i that one-handed ass whooping you were talking about just how quick that guy was moving and just how like i always love that in kung fu movies but he just seemed a little bit different than other guys i've seen i don't know if it was because he had one hand behind his back but just the way he was moving around the whole time i just thought it was awesome um I don't like to say I was just really impressed. Like, oh my god, this guy's smooth and just fast. <laughs> so, so the funny thing is, he made his bones in, in action movies, but more like mm-hmm. with guns than straight up kung fu. So for him, huh. for him to to do this is, uh, like you said, it's impressive. Yeah, I thought it's good. I guess it's, it's good, but it was different than, like I said, than a Jet Li or Jackie Chan or. Bruce Lee and stuff, which those are the three guys that I really know. So Donnie Yen. Yeah, but see, I don't know. I mean, I know him just from Star Wars. I don't even know. I've never seen any of his other movies, so I couldn't tell you. He's good for a blind guy in Star Wars. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh. It's the forces with him is one with the force. All right. Yeah. Alex. Uh, for my number one and two, these kind of go hand in hand, but they're a, a bit separate, but I kind of cheated and my my one and two are the wire work and just the kung fu choreography that goes along with it because 
oh, both of them together, it's, it's so smooth and seamless, and at parts it seems like uh, the two people fighting are actually like in a dance, and then they, they, it switches from going to wavy, wavy, and then just really hard blocks and hits. Uh, the, the fighting really shines in this movie, and the wire work just lends to it, so... Yeah. Went into choreography and, and wire work. Yep, 100% agree. Agree. Yun Wo Ping. Mm hmm. And, uh. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I'll just go ahead. Because my number one is the wire work. Just like, the Kung Fu and stuff's great, but I've seen it in other movies. I really haven't seen too much of this other stuff. Once again, being a Western American pig dog, <laughs> I don't watch this Whoa, stuff. dog. <laughs> you promoted yourself, pig dog. <laughs> my um, bear pig. <laughs> so Super just that wire work was just so awesome and the, like, that very first scene when she did steal the sword and she's running on the rooftops and um, the other girl's chasing her and she, I thought that was really cool but she kept trying like to take off and jump but she kept just pulling her right back down <laughs> yeah. and uh, the treetop fight as uh, Scott mentioned before I thought that was awesome leading up to that running on the water jumping on the water um, like soaring like this is God, you guys, I was trying to think, do you remember that video game? And I think it was Nintendo. Where Clash you, of Demon Head. What? Clash of Demon Head. I don't know, but you would just like fly through the air, just like throwing Chinese stars and and you would fly through the forest. Oh, uh, Kage? Legend of Kage? <laughs> I, it was like, K, like K-A-G-E. Legend of Highspace. What is it? K A G E. Kage. Oh yeah, that's probably because I probably thought it was Legend. K A G. I did too <laughs> when I was a kid. Oh yeah. Let me see. I'm... Mm-hmm. Yes, this is it, Scott. Woo! Although in this highlight, he's just running on the ground. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. So, right. so, 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 you back, Alex? Okay, yes. So, a little, just digress here a little bit. Uh, so, Jeff is trying to come up with the name of this game, uh, Legend of Kage. Uh, Nintendo games legendarily had horrible localizations. This is one time where they could have benefited from changing the name of this thing. <laughs> because, as Jeff pointed out, like, we both thought it was Legend of Cage. Joe Jeff thought it was Legend of Cage until like two minutes ago. Um, <laughs> like it wasn't until it's spelled K A G E. Give me a break. Like it wasn't until like I don't know a while ago that I realized it was Kage. Um, I'm assuming it's Kage. I don't know. Maybe it did, maybe it's Cage. I don't, it's possible it's Cage. Hey <laughs> Scott, do your Nicholas Kage impression. What in the name of Zeus's butthole? <laughs> there you go. So anyway, wire work was really awesome. I've never really seen anything like that before, and um, yeah, it's 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 it makes me want to be able to do that. Yeah, say to you. <laughs> All right, so that was Alex's two and one, but so I guess another yep. one to Scott's one. Okay, uh, my number one is the the final scene. Um, so kind of. Picking up where we left off with uh, Casablanca last time, assuming that's the last time. Uh, 
the 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 spoilers, the bittersweet ending. Uh, but the the imagery there is gorgeous, as uh, you think that somebody's finally going to have like things are going to end well for somebody here, um, but basically she can't live with herself after what's happened, um, and she literally flies over a cliff <laughs> into the clouds, um, leaving the the one guy there, the cloud, dark cloud, to to mourn uh, as she as she tries to follow the prophecy legend about how if you're pure of heart and you jump off this cliff like you'll get granted a wish um, obviously they don't believe it in the movie uh, at least the two characters at the end uh, but she she does it anyways um, and, I, and I did like that that character, the, the thief from the desert is really the only one that makes it out um, he's obviously he's lost his love here but he's still who he is, he's still intact but he's the one character that was never playing by the rules to begin with. He had, he had no constraints, mm-hmm. no societal constraints, as with that were imposed in the other three main characters, or four main characters if you include the the Jade Fox. Uh, so yeah, I just really like the the ending and the imagery of her jumping over the side. That's my number one. Yeah, yeah no was... ghost is gonna stop him from banging. <laughs> yeah, no, he's definitely gonna yeah. move on. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad. I thought he might jump out after her or something like that. I'm glad he didn't. But now you said no one else. So what happened to Michelle Yeoh's character? I don't remember now. So so she lives. Well, she's in the sequel on Netflix. Yeah, she, I, mean, she, I think it's a prequel. But she, she lives. Oh, okay. But. Okay. Um, yeah, like her heart's broken. Like Sure, okay. Like she 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 never like was able to, to like reciprocate her feelings or consummate anything. Um, she's got to live with this for the rest of her life. So basically, the two loves of her life are dead. Um, one of them's following her around forever. Yeah, as a, as a creepy ghost, Cre- creeper ghost. ghost. Um, Ugh. So, but the other guy doesn't have to worry, like wonder about that, because you know the way he he the way he embraced life was to just to do just that, embrace it. Uh, he's living as a bandit out in the desert, so. Yep. There it All is. Right. And uh, my number one I already mentioned that was the wire work, and I think that was Alex's as well. So yep. we are done. So let's yeah, rate yeah. it. Scott. Um, so it, as we kind of said earlier, as great as we, as I think this is, it does run a little long. Um, it is rather dry at points. The action's so good. Um, the, the characters are good. Uh, if <laughs> if there's not a shitty dub going on, uh, I would give this a six. All right. Um, unfortunately, I've only seen the dub version. Um, I dislike more of this than I like. I love the action scenes, but just the other stuff brought it down. So I'm gonna have to give it a three. Whew. Maybe I'll, if I ever see it again in subtitles, but that Subtitle. really killed it for me uh it was a very tough watch i, I, I let's just say if you weren't doing the podcast i wouldn't have finished it <laughs> but or at least i would have fast forwarded through to the fight scenes that's probably what i would have done um so three not the worst thing i've ever seen but it's definitely more to hate than i liked unfortunately mm-hmm. alex 
Uh, I'm going to give this movie a five. Because I do love the fight scenes and everything. I'd probably only skip over a few places. Because most of this is mostly, like, a lot of the desert stuff. But, yeah, five. Okay. Different numbers all over the place there. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, Alex knows sports. Sports ball. No, we're doing... Oh, no, a crossover. Uh, yeah, crossovers. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so what's our crossover topic, Scott? Uh, it was our favorite um, powerful swords, I believe is the way we phrased it. So basically, just yeah. our top five blades, swords, what have you. Uh, so blades of steel. Blades of steel. <laughs> uh, so I'll go ahead and start with my number five. Uh, and that would be from Kill Bill, the Bride's Atari Hanzo Katana. Um, so, in and of itself, when you swing it around, there's, it's like not that special versus the tons of other katanas I've seen. But the whole kind of ceremony behind it, and the respect they give the blade, and like she carries it around, like it gets its own seat in an airplane. It's <laughs> uh, it, it adds to the mystique of this weapon and then the way uh, nobody believes that she actually has one of these things um, because they're so rare and so amazing and Bud's lying about uh, like like how would you uh, like compare Hanzo to other swords is really cool um, so yeah the, the Bride's Atari Hanzo sword it's by number five very nice I agree I may have us a little bit higher on my list <laughs> um, alright my number five is um, got to go with the He-Man power sword. Oh, damn it. Uh, that's my number two, man. <laughs> oh, I left off another one, too, now that I think about it. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, as a kid, I love this. Might be the first sword, except for maybe another one on the list, the first like sword I remember being like a, a, like a named sword or cool sword. I also like the fact that it's unusual. Like I don't think I've ever seen a sword, sword shaped like that with yeah. the little handles on the side or whatever those things are <laughs> yeah, so um, He-Man's Power Sword there it is number 5 nice. Alex uh, my number 5 and this is the bottom on the list only because of one scene and it's Excalibur but not from the legend or from the previous uh, the aforementioned Excalibur movie but from the movie The First Night which is uh, it's not that great, but when Lancelot's character, Richard Gere, grabs Excalibur because he doesn't have a sword and he has to defend himself, he grabs his character and he plays it really well, like the sword almost comes alive in his hands and it's actually pulling him towards the fight. And I thought that, like, the little tiny, like, ten seconds of Excalibur was really, really cool. It made it seem like the sword itself was alive. For once, because I don't think any other Arthur movie has really done that. Yeah, I remember thinking that was kind of weird, though, because like, isn't just Arthur the one that's supposed to be able to wield it? So like, it would almost be fighting Lance a lot more than helping him. Mm, not in this movie. <laughs> All right, well, not if you have a gerbil up your bum. Yeah. Not a gerbil stuck in his bum. All right, so just that that version of Excalibur is your number five. Yes, that okay. tiny, like, ten seconds of Excalibur <laughs> in that movie. 
All right, Scott, number four. Uh, my number four, this is kind of cheating. Uh, for starters, um, I have to ask whether you would qualify a lightsaber as being a sword. I would. I don't know how you guys would feel about that. Uh, I, I, would. I thought about it, but since there's so many lightsabers, there's not one that's like more mystical or powerful than another lightsaber. And there, there really aren't named lightsabers, right? In the movies, anyway. So, so I have same thoughts as Alex. So, yeah. so getting specific here, though, um, I had Darth Maul's double bladed lightsaber because um, okay. that thing's fucking rad. Uh, and if you won't accept that one, I have a backup. But <laughs> that is a light, is a one handed lightsaber. Um, but yeah, it's just super cool. Uh, I, I don't think we'd argue with it's that. It's so unique. Yeah, it's so unique. I'll give yeah, it to you. So. Well, I will say, if, once it becomes a double-bladed lightsaber, then it's no longer a I sword. thought about that, too. Then it's a double-bladed <laughs> double sword, which exists in D&D, right. and it's a D8 on either end of the sword. <laughs> but yeah. but dual-wielding right. penalties apply when you try to... <laughs> <laughs> That's right, motherfucker. <laughs> um, yeah, believe it or not, there are no lightsabers on my list, but for the same reason Alex said, there is no... Mm-hmm. I mean, Anakin goes through, like, four lightsabers in the prequel, so it's not like yeah. it's a... Master's gonna kill me. <laughs> but but it, I was, it does feel like they're trying to set up... Um, Luke's... Oh, no. Anakin's, yeah, Anakin's to be something, had, a little yeah. something like that. So yeah. they're trying to do that, but as of right now, yeah, there is no, like, one particular awesome blade. But you're right, Darth. Of all of them, Darth Maul's is the coolest. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, um, my number four would would be just Excalibur in general. That would be the first um, name sword that I can remember from a kid from like the Sword in the Stone uh, cartoon um, and all its incarnations. It might be the most famous sword, at least in Western <laughs> civilization. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that cartoon, I've never really been a like you mentioned First Night. I've only seen the Excalibur movie once. Like none of the real like, movie versions have I really liked. So that's why it's a little bit lower on my list than you, it probably should be because it is the most probably the most famous sword. But uh, it's still awesome, and it's the first one I can remember. Um, you know, it's still fun to go to Disneyland and pull on the one in the stone there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although last time I went, it wasn't even there. They just had the stone, but no sword. What? Well, somebody what finally pulled yeah. it out. Uh, somebody pulled yeah. it. Yeah. It's the king. <laughs> king of Disneyland. Uh, so, yeah. Excalibur. Uh, Alex. Scott. Sorry. Alex. I don't know what the hell we're doing. Yeah, it's me. Alex. Uh, this one was from a book series, and it started with the wizard's first rule. And I like the titular sword in there is the sword of truth. Which is, it, it, it kind of, you discover more powers that the sword has or you can unlock as this as the book series progresses. But at first, the sword is like a magically enchanted sword that kind of brings out your anger when you're wielding it. But you can only, it only strikes down people that you see personally as a threat. So if you don't see somebody as a threat, it, it won't like actually cut them or hurt them. So I thought it's pretty cool. Huh. Plus, unbreakable, and blah, blah, this and that. And later on in the series, it actually uh, saves, like, the experiences of every other person that's ever wielded it. So the person that has it now also has the cumulative fighting experience 
that has come, you know, before. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, which is really freaking sweet. What's this from? It's a book series by Terry Goodkind, and the first book is called The Wizard's First Rule. What's the whole series called, Scott? Um, I forgot. It's... I think it's called The Sword of Truth. The whole yeah, series. Oh, yeah, the, just this... Um, the last yeah. three books have, like, its own kind of trilogy thing going for it. Uh, it's called, like, something mm-hmm. else, I think, maybe. Um, <laughs> I have a lot to say about that series. Most of it not good. <laughs> um, yeah. But... <laughs> I like the first book, though, a lot. Yeah, the first couple books... Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it, but then again, I was like in junior yeah. high at the time, basically. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the the sword. I, I will I I will admit that the the sword is cool um, on a like like pure like hyper fantasy level. <laughs> um, yeah. It starts to be like a, and then the sword does this thing, and then it does this thing. <laughs> yeah, and then it you makes person more experience. So like, another person is going to get his ass kicked, but all of a sudden the sword turns them into the ultimate bad like <laughs> mm-hmm. um anyway it's the MacGuffin of the whole series really one of them so yeah uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah the first I I, I I honestly don't know whether I could recommend the first couple books of that series or not they're Tiger Kind's very good at writing well, like, I very, can. it's very good at writing action I'll give him that much the actual fights and shit alright like well yes. anyways let's uh, number three. Number three. <laughs> uh, my number three is Excalibur, um, and I don't have a specific incarnation here. Uh, you know, not from uh, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. No. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, that could be one. That could, could, could be chest. one of them. But uh, uh, the, Excalibur, be my strength. <laughs> the original Excalibur movie, um, the the Disney cartoon. Uh, it's. It, like the mythos for it is like more than carries like anything else having to do with it. So um, even if it's the actor carrying around as a jobber, or uh, the sword just doesn't look that cool. Um, the fact that you know it's Excalibur, um, it also shows up in numerous video games. Um, mm-hmm. In Final Fantasy games, it's typically like a badass sword. Uh, I think mostly Final Fantasy four here. Um, where it's like the second best uh, sword in the game. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Excalibur. Alright. Um, my number three, I have a feeling this is either on one of your lists or both of your lists. Um, the Master Sword from Zelda. I left it off because I knew it was going to be on your list, Jeff. Alright. So, it actually okay. didn't occur to me. Damn it. Really? <laughs> That's a good one, huh? So yeah, all the Zelda, I mean, I think all the Zelda games, at least the ones I've played, um, always got to get this Master Sword, and it's never like, I mean, it's always a big deal, but not like the biggest deal, so I always kind of like that, um, and just the fact that I remember it, just Master Sword, since mm-hmm. I was, whatever, seven or eight years old, is always trying to get the Master Sword. They do make a big deal out of it and into the past, it's super sweet. Yeah, when you go through that little meadow. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and if you have full hearts, it... Fires laser beams. <laughs> there yeah, you go. that is the freaking coolest. Yeah, I like that. I mean, that it's such a cool perk. But I mean, you, you take one bit of damage, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, a glass cannon event, essentially. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Master Sword from Zelda. 
Alex. My number three is, uh, damn it, what was? I wrote down Glamdring, but that's not right. I want to say, uh, Narso? what's his face? Is yeah, <laughs> the super long sword. Enduro. Yeah. The one that you want to use as a uh, what call it? Compensation tool. Shiva <laughs> Sage, that that camera was panning for ever. <laughs> Yep, Aragorn sword. <laughs> Aragorn sword, so badass. It fights ghosts, so uh, maybe Michelle Yeoh could use it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes, I agree. This is on my list. So badass sword. It's in pieces. It has to have special black. Well, no, it's it's it not in pieces. Well, that's what? just some similarian shit. No, no, no. Uh, no, it, it. it's the shards of Narsil. It becomes a completely different sword once it's reforged. Yes, it's Enduro. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Some <laughs> elven lawyers like, no, <laughs> wait a minute, not the same. <laughs> well, like in the in the book, doesn't he carry around Narsil the whole time, the broken sword? So he's got. I know in the books he's got that shit with him, like. Yeah, it, it definitely plays out differently than it does in the movie. I forget exactly when mm-hmm. it's reforged yeah, and I, all that jazz. Because I think I remember Peter Jackson and his wife, the writers, or whatever, they were saying, like, yeah, we had to change that because it's kind of weird to have a hero running around with a broken sword all the whole movie. So that's why they changed it so that he just gets it forged you know, halfway through the third movie. Plus, they already did it. They, I wouldn't have thought that was plus weird. Plus, they already did it in Conan. But he didn't walk around with it though. That's true. He got to stand the yeah, towards the true. end of the movie. Yeah. Um, this is my number two, and uh, just uh, the, my last number one and two are swords that I both own. <laughs> Nerd. And uh, there it is. I call it Narsil because I can't say the other word. Andoril. Flame of the West. <laughs> I can uh, wield this. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. So Scott, number two. Number two is the Atlantean sword, as we talked about Oof. fairly recently nice. with Conan the Barbarian. Uh, it's never really named. Uh, he just finds this awesome sword, and then he starts carving out his legend with it. Uh, sword just looks super cool. Um, it helps that like super buff Arnie swinging it around. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, but yeah, it's just the concept of the sword that this is this ancient sort of this ancient civilization, which they never explain in the uh, in the movies. I, in fact, I'm not even sure how I know about it. <laughs> they always just call it the Atlantean yeah. sword. Uh, but yeah, it's it's rad. Um, he uses it, and then he uses it at the end of the spoilers, the end of Conan, to to break his father's sword. Uh, is super cool. So, the yeah, Atlantean Swords number two. Yep, this is the one that I had to push off my list, but uh, it's right there. So cool, and I think it's mostly just the way it looks and the way Arnold wields it <laughs> is what sells it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, my number two. I already mentioned Narsil slash Andoril. How do you say it? There's there's like an accent mark on it. So I'm not 100 sure. Andoril, 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 Andoril. 
A wizard Kate. did it. They definitely did it. Kate. Kage. Um, yeah, I mean, there's other swords from Lord of the Rings, like Sting and yeah, I thought uh, of it. Like, yeah, Glamdering, yeah. but Sting is they're not this cool. Named. Everything's <laughs> or, or Chris, which I think they only show in the books. Oh yeah, yeah. Gandalf has two Who's swords that? in the books. Which what? Which one's Orchrist? Uh, I forget. So I thought Gandalf in the books, maybe it's just the Hobbit. He's, oh yeah, it could be the Hobbit. Maybe yeah. they find it, but he, mm-hmm. they find those t- two swords. One of them's Glamdring, or Glamdring. The other one's yeah, yeah, he he finds the same time he finds Sting, right? Yeah, uh, in that cache of weapons that yeah. uh, all the trolls like uh, left. Well, they didn't. Well, they died, but <laughs> it was like in their little treasure. Treasure hole. Turn them all to stone. See, Bilbo told the story way better in five seconds at the beginning <laughs> of, of Lord of the Rings and the <laughs> damn to the movie. to the quote adorable Hobbit children unquote. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so that was my number two. So Alex, your number two. The He-Man power sword. Oh, there Tra- it is. It can transform you into a better version of yourself. <laughs> and by that, I mean it just. Takes off your clothes to reveal your super buff muscles. <laughs> takes off your pink vest and <laughs> yeah, stupid Prince Adam. <laughs> you you have the exact same face and haircut as he <laughs> But also turns your like your stupid cat into a battle cat. There you go. Yeah. That's a perk right there. Uh, damn it! I wish I All had right. this on my list. Scott, <laughs> <laughs> Scott number one uh, was was Andurro, Flame of the West. Oh, okay. And my number one was your number five, and that's the Hanzo sword okay. from the Kill Bill movies. Nice. And while I don't think it's the coolest looking, I love the way Tarantino set it up, where they talk about it. For exactly. Everyone doesn't. Yeah. yeah. It's just all word of mouth when you just see this thing. And like I remember when it's Kill Bill two, when she fights Daryl Hannah, and she pulls out her eye, and so she has um, buds. And I'm like. You better get that one too. You could be dual wielding Hanzo swords, and like I just that'll be the coolest thing ever. Just like just how rare these awesome these things are, and uh, yeah, and it's all the way he builds it up and sets him up to be the greatest thing. And then you, as Scott mentioned earlier, the ceremony of him talking about he said he'd never do it again, and when he does it, and just all yeah, that, it's, so. it's so cool. The I say without he basically says I say without pride that this is the finest blade that I've ever made. And, if you if you should encounter God on your journey, God will be cut. Yes, Jeebus. that's a strong claim right there, yeah. Mister Hanzo. And to go along with my uh, Anthro blade, I also own a Hatari Hanzo sword. Nerd. So there it is. Uh-huh. Um, cheap replicas, of course, but I still have them. Uh, Alex, number one. Uh, my number one is more of a nostalgia based because I love this game so much. I've beaten it on several occasions. It is the Mana Sword from the Secret of Mana from Super Nintendo. Okay. Not only that, but it's you. You have Master to have Sword's two, better. <laughs> no way. You have yes, to have two people cast a spell on the regular sword in order to turn it into the Mana Sword to be able to beat the last boss, and it's temporary. And I think that was a really cool mechanic. 
And you, uh, but if you want to get it permanently, you have to glitch the game, and then you can run around with a with a mass sword all the time, hitting everything for nine nine nine. And it's accompanied by the coolest boss mu- music in any video game ever. Just saying. oh yeah. yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, one winged angel comes close from Final Fantasy yeah. VII, but uh, or or Kefka's. Oh yeah, that was awesome. Um, anyway. Uh, so honorable mentions of a few swords that didn't make the list here. Uh, sword, sword of Omens from Thundercats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> should have thought of that one. I shouldn't have. <laughs> that one grows. It grows but, on you. But Voltron's sword. I was just going to say the Voltron sword. Oh. Next. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's also red. I always... I, I never liked that as a kid because it had that pointy, like, That's weird shit even cooler. at the end of the sword. <laughs> I know, that's what I, I appreciate it about it now, because it's so unique. But back when I was a kid, it's like, man, that doesn't have a point like a regular sword. That's stupid. And then uh, something that did make my list, because I couldn't remember exactly what it was or who had it, but I vaguely remember a sword from Willow that was, like, all serrated. It looked like kind of like a saw. Uh, oh, yeah. I forget. But Mad Morgan... Oh no! It was the the. Skull I don't think guy he had. I think I think the skull guy had like a normal sword. Oh no! It was the daughter. Maybe. Sorsha. Sorsha about that babe. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <Jesus>. Boo! <laughs> I left. Yeah. I know you did. <laughs> so that's honorable mentions for swords, S words, as Alex said. So what about? I thought you might have one. Uh, any Game of Thrones swords? You don't get to see them. That's the problem. Yeah, like in the books, they get described. Well yeah, the but they, they still don't see a whole lot of use. John's John sword is probably the most yeah, famous long claw, one, right? Yeah. yeah. And then Ned's was cool, but it got built melted yeah. down. So I guess Needle is probably the most famous sword, actually. But that's not even a. That's not even a blade and steel. I know, but it's still the one that's, that's mentioned the most. Needle dick. <laughs> All right. Um, now it's time for Alex Knows Sports. Uh, old Joe snuck one in. He snuck his powerful source right. list in. Oh, nice. Awesome. I just refreshed the page. <laughs> so, thanks, Joe. Uh, his number five is uh, Masamune from the Final Fantasy Okay, series. that's pretty solid. Yeah, was, uh, that, number four, he that was uh, uh, Sephiroth's weapon, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He-Man Power Sword is his number four. Woohoo. Number three, Master Sword from The Legend of Zelda. Woohoo. Uh, you'll appre- appreciate this one, Jeff. Uh, number two, Soulfire slash The Fiery Avenger. That sounds familiar, but I don't know what that is. Yeah, from EverQuest. Nids! Oh, that's the that's the Flaming Sword? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Sir Sir Dukin, Sir Luke Dukin, Duncan. <laughs> yeah, he's the leader of the militia in Freeport. What a dick! All right. <laughs> and his number one is Excalibur, and he says, "Nuff said." Yeah. He's a true believer, that old Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he believes in the old gods and the new. Yep. Thanks, Joe, for the list, and I'll give everybody else a better heads up for the next lists. Uh, as usual, your free right, now your listeners is... are free to come with, with a posthumous list. Posthumous. Whatever. 
I can't. I, you know, I can't even say that word, so I'm not going to correct you. <laughs> uh, Alex, do you know sports? I like sports. Sports ball. Mm-hmm. So I guess this uh, this guy named Bartolo Colon. <laughs> he's the uh, the oldest player in baseball right Is now, he... and he's still kicking ass. Uh, go ahead. He's the fattest Kinda. player in baseball. I think. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just did the uh, he. Be- he did a pitch the historic complete game, which isn't a no hitter or a shutout, right? Right, just pitching all nine innings. Oh, that's it. Yep. Okay, well, he became the oldest right-handed starter to complete a game since 1994, <laughs> and it was Charlie Huff at age oh. 46 that had the <laughs> that had the record before. But yeah, he's 47, still playing sports. Bartolo Colon's forty-seven years old. Colon. Holy crap! Cool, and uh, <laughs> and that's like Dominican age, right? So he's like, probably like fifty-seven. Yeah. Jeff Oh my god! <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's, he's uh, not. He's forty. He's forty-four, not forty-seven. Yeah. He's, he's forty-four, 47? according to Google. Uh, but still, even at 44, like I thought he was about to, re- yeah. he was like one bad outing away from retiring. I mean, and it's not like he's oh, one yeah, of these yeah. guys who kept himself in top physical shape. No. Like Tom Brady just hit 40 or whatever. Like Bartolo Colon is anything but in shape. and But he's always oh. been able to throw. Maybe, True facts. Yep. He, he didn't throw um, while he was a kid picking coconuts. And that's not. Jeff at gmail.com. That's fact. <laughs> so, so right now they have him list or throwing rocks at coconuts or something. They have like him listed that. at five eleven, two hundred and eighty five pounds. Yeah, right. Shiva's age. He's yes. <laughs> He's got a big frame though. Hey, hey but he won the Cy Young pitching for the Angels. Somehow, back, back when they know, but... signed big free agents and it worked out for them. Yeah. All right, it's time for Neem News. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so a quick review um, in line with all the sword talk. Oh, wait, sorry, I don't think... Oh, no, never mind. I'm an idiot. (laughs) All right. We we rated Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I thought for some reason we skipped it. Man, it's late. (laughs) No argument here about you being an idiot. Anyways, (laughs) uh, so I watched... Um, stop me if I already talked about this, but the King Arthur movie that just came out with uh, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. No, I don't think okay, so, about this yet. Let me guess, it's terrible. It's Ritchie gear. Uh, so Guy Ritchie yeah. made a King Arthur movie, and it's called King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword. Um, and Excalibur does feature prom. <laughs> Wait, King Arthur was a sword yep. too? Uh, that, that had... Uh, Excalibur be Sons of Anarchy. Charlie right? Hunnam, yes, was playing King Arthur in this. Um, he eventually gets the sword. Spoilers, uh, but yeah, the sword is central to the plot. Um, this was not a good movie. It's Jeff Hardy. I don't. <laughs> did you see this, Jeff? <laughs> no, I just saw the. Yeah, trailer. so this was not a good movie. It was kind of all over the place. It was a mess. Um, at points. They were trying to do the the kind of fun uh, Guy Ritchie thing with the snappy diet, like the snappy uh, 
London gutter speak dialogue. And that was fun for a few minutes. But then after that, it was just kind of this haphazard plot. And they, the movie started with basically they stole the Oliphants from Lord of the Rings. Uh, and there was kind of pseudo magic. Um, they, they took some stuff that has nothing to do with the Arthurian legend and threw it in there. Um, they, a lot of the movie takes place in Londinium because <laughs> apparently Guy Ritchie's like, he always has to film in London and he was going to walk. They didn't do it here. So he's in Londinium. Uh, it's Jeebus H. just little fingers in it, but he's playing a good guy. So I can't get over that. <laughs> Isn't Bruce Bolton in it too? Yes. Uh, Bruce Bolton's <laughs> in it. That's true. Bolton. Uh, so it's, yeah, I can't, I can't recommend this. Uh, <laughs> I can go watch it's it, just, everybody. It's bad on a level of just like not. You can't even really make fun of it. It's just like sloppy. I, I don't know. Uh, so that's my review about a movie with a sword in it. <laughs> there it is. Oh, just wait until the next Transformers oh, comes Jesus out. Jesus Christ! Is that that it's piece already of crap already came and went? <laughs> oh, just wait until that comes out. Yeah. I mean. Till it's out. I mean, all right. What? Anyway, it's, it's so out. is there? Wait, a question about the X. Is there? Why do they think they just can't do like a a real regular version of it? Like this one, and then there was the one with Clive Owen before. Um, mm-hmm. you, you talked about the. I guess was the Richard Gear one the most normal yeah, one. The, the Gear one, yeah, was closest to like the La Morte de Arthur. Like the actual like Arthurian, yeah. yeah, that was the closest it came. There was another one with Colin Firth. It was like called Centurion or something like that, uh, where it was like the Rome Romans got involved again. Uh, yeah, they can't they, they can't seem to do that, or even um, what, like the Once and Future King, something like that. Uh, they 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 seem to avoid that source material now for some reason. Just feels like with Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, like they could go back and kind of, you know, <laughs> this is kind of the source for a lot of this stuff. You could do it, and I don't know, but they have to change it. Maybe this thing is it's been told so many times, everyone has to put their spin on it. But these myths survive because they're good the way they were. You don't have to change them, I guess. I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. But you know what? As with a lot of things, I just know like the Disney versions, and that's what I consider to be the <laughs> the version. So The gold standard. Yeah. It's like Robin Hood, it's whatever the fox was doing. I don't know what's right and wrong, but that's the Ooh, way Lally. Yeah, so, so this movie, uh, there was no Merlin. Instead, we get sent um, his very attractive female uh, protege. Merlinium. Yeah. Um, and that was weird because there there was Merlot. Like they had her do magic and she just kinda of scowled a lot and there was never like she was like a pseudo love interest, but they never did anything with it. Never went anywhere. So I don't know what the whole point of not having Merlin there was. So that was another thing that movie spoilers. Uh Meh. Anyway, so that's that's my review of that. Anyways. Um before I, so a a little while ago on a different podcast, did a little bit of 
movie history trivia with best picture. Um, I have something similar in mind, uh, but first I want to see if you guys had anything else you want to talk about, Jeff. Um, no, I got nothing. Alex. Yeah, I'm good. All right, so last time we talked about uh, which movies won for best picture uh, in the '80s. Uh, this time around, we're going with the top ten grossing films of that decade. Uh, so again, top mm. top grossing top ten grossing films of the eighties. Uh so E. T. Uh what yeah, E. T as what? Rank from one to ten. I think it's number one unless uh so what 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 didn't um Oh uh, Jedi. No, I don't think it's Jedi. I don't think Jedi beat it. So what eventually beat it was um Titanic. Titanic, right? But that was nineties yeah. or yeah, that was nineties. And yeah. then so I I think it's E. T. E. T. number one? Number you one. were right. All right, All right. So E. T. at four hundred thirty five million. Um I now I don't know if that's all time or just for that decade. Um it's probably I think it's all time at this point. Yeah, that's probably all time. Um so uh number two then Ghostbusters. No. no. Um Ghostbusters is on this list. Wow. I would not have Top ten, you said? Wow. It could be one of the Star Wars movies. I, I don't know. It could yeah. So so I will say I... Lucas and Spielberg fucking cleaned up in this decade. Yeah, I'd say it's going to be Indiana Jones. Yeah, Uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, No. The Last Crusade. The Last Crusade? Well, Raiders of the Lost Ark. All those movies are on this list, but they're not number two. Um, Okay, I'm thinking... Jedi? What was that, Dogs? Empire? Jedi uh, or Empire? It's number two. Yeah. Uh, Number three... You guys said it a second ago. Raiders or Crusade? Uh, it's more Star Wars. Oh, Empire. Oh, okay. Empire. And then number four, we get to the first non-Lucas, non-Spielberg movie. Oh, shit. It's not Ghostbusters. Uh, the Last Emperor. No. I don't think The Last Emperor made that much money. Oh. Ah. Uh. All right. So, Dead Air. So, hint. Give you a hint. Yeah. Uh, comic book character. Superman. Batman. Batman. Oh, bat- yeah. Two hundred fifty-one million was good enough to make it number four. Uh, number five, we get back to Lucas and Spielberg. Oh, now it's Raiders. Yeah, it's Raiders. Uh, number six. Yeah. Non-Lucas Spielberg. You guys have already said it. Yes. Number yeah. seven wow. uh, is something you haven't mentioned yet, and it's not Spielberg, and it's not Lucas. Hmm. Gandhi. No. Back to the oh. Future. Not Back to the Future. Oh, damn, that's good. Oh, that's a, that's man, a very good that's guess, good. but it's not Back to the Future. Hold your guess. No. Okay. Think, think uh, um, action comedy. Lethal no. Weapon? 
Commando. <laughs> Re- repeat. <laughs> Damn it, you stole my joke, Alex. <laughs> uh, action comedy. Uh... Oh, True Lies was in the 90s. Think, think Pieces of Fruit. Pineapple Pieces Express? of Fruit and Cars. <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> James and the no. Giant Peach? Apple trucks. <laughs> Jeff got it. Hot, <laughs> Hot Wheels. Uh, I have no idea. Pieces of fruit and cars. Okay. The name of this movie is a place. Or part of the name of this movie is a place. A real life place. <laughs> right now, people are yelling at the answer yeah. right now. You idiots! Yeah. It's Fruit Car, the movie. Okay, part of the, the title of this place is a... Shit. Part of the title of this movie is a real place in California. Southern California. Uh, Days of Thunder. A very rich place of Southern California. Beverly Hills... Cop? Salad. <laughs> cars. Yeah, Beverly, Beverly Hills, Hills Cop. Cops, number seven at $234 million. Ain't what going the hell is the cars in the tailpipe? Oh. I thought the movie. I thought you were saying that the movie was about no, fruit I was and cars. You, I was giving yeah, you that was like, a I was scene in the hints. movie. I was giving like, you hints without trying to pull those. Like, like bootlegging, <laughs> bootlegging fruits across yeah. state lines. Uh, number eight. You guys have said this, uh, but it's not Lucas Spielberg. Yes. Back to the future. And then nine and ten. You've yeah. said. One of the Indiana Jones, so Crusade. Crusade number nine. Yeah, Crusade. And number ten. And uh, what's the one that I said? I said a bunch of stuff. <laughs> um, banana truck. <laughs> there's always, there's always, there's always money in the banana truck. <laughs> yeah. What did I say? Uh, Gandhi, Empire yeah. of the Sun. He said it's Spielberg, though. Uh, yeah, Empire of the yeah. Sun. <laughs> That's true. Poltergeist. Uh, Close Encounters in the, is in the 70s. Yeah. I'm surprised Temple uh, of Doom. Doom is right. Whoa. So we've got... We got about <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six of the top ten <laughs> grossing movies of the 80s were Spielberg or Lucas or a combination thereof. Jeez, H. Yeah, and I'm sure one day we'll have a, like our top directors list, but Spielberg wins hands down for me. Like, well, I may enjoy now Quentin Tarantino movies better or uh, Christopher Nolan, but growing up in the '80s, it's all Spielberg, and he'll yep. always be number one. And Lucas won't be my director, but he'll be number one. Would be up there in the filmmaker category. How about that? <laughs> I'll give it to you. Uh, <laughs> made our childhoods, or at least my childhood. All right. So yeah, that's that's all I have. Maybe we'll do another one of these games. Uh, all right, in a future podcast. Next time we'll just throw out movies and you tell us what number they're in. <laughs> that's what I usually did, but that'd be funner this way. Yeah. Anyway, it uh, was. We, we, right. named, we named banana truck and yeah, banana truck. <laughs> we did get banana truck. Apple, apple truck. Apple truck. That was, that was, apple truck. Sorry. Apple maybe truck. maybe we'll review <laughs> maybe we'll review apple truck in a future podcast. Ooh, or maybe that's our this year's April Fool's what? episode. 
I mean, no. Well, don't yeah. spoil it now. <laughs> apples are spoiled now. No, but it'll really be about banana truck, but we'll say uh, it's apple truck. Oh, okay, I get you. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> we at Hans Shop First would like to thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to contact us on Facebook and Twitter at Hans Shop First. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are greatly appreciated and help us get more exposure. Once again, thanks for listening and supporting the podcast.